गुड मॉर्निंग वेलकम so vp yeah couple of weeks back you had this action item to figure out why we say om shanti thrice and you probably may have figured it out but uh, would you please share what you figured it out <laughs> honestly i have forgotten okay <laughs> we'll leave that for <laughs> but i will now that you have invited me i think i'll do that uh, definitely after the session absolutely <laughs> so we are still not going to reveal the secret to you of what that shanti thrice means but uh, we are hoping that you will educate us back with your understanding it totally slipped my mind i uh, i will i will definitely do that yeah cool that's right so uh, you know maybe you know we should kick off this discussion today with maybe you know alpana i have to request you you know last week when we um, when we said okay hey you know what do we do next um, then i think uh, you 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 suggested that we should stick around with this and look at the uh, you know sadhana chatushtaya a little bit more closely and understand do you want to trigger off today's discussion sure i can so um i think the reason i said was uh, that those four qualifications are actually core of the actual teaching because the statement itself is just tatva masi i mean we only need to get that but to prepare ourselves to understand it fully or comprehend it or even internalize it um i think these four qualifications are quite important and in the first six chapters of gita we actually did the karma yoga which is even prerequisite to these four right so if we look at the whole framework so karma yoga will help us shuddhikaran of antahakaran that is to cleanse our mind so that we even get thoughts about or oh, there is something beyond um, you know the karma that we do um and then for ekagrata you can use either meditation or bhajan or upasana so that just focus starts focusing your mind at one thing you know whatever one can relate to so those were the the two things which are very important even before we come to vedanta so now after those have started you know it takes time to master all these things and maybe you know everything happens together you know at the at the end where we we can 100% say that we are established in all these qualifications so once we have started that then this sadhan chatushtay that concept i found was was key in the process and any time you know where we feel whether we are making any progress i think it's just to go and look back at these 
fourfold qualifications if you know we are making any progress or you know where are we lacking and what i said was if you look at any of the qualification the one if we think that there is some problem with that you need to look at the qualification before that and strengthen that so the first one is vivek vivek is if you just translate it's discrimination but as rajesh had said usually that english word discrimination is used negatively so we said you know we want to stick to sanskrit words because there is no transliteration which captures the essence of the word so vivek is more of yes in if we have to explain it in english it is discrimination between what it is discrimination between permanent and temporary or you can say discrimination between atma and anatma you know we focused a lot on what atma is that awareness and everything that the awareness can be aware of is anatma so so just going deeper into that whenever especially when you are faced with any situation where um you know it's bothering you it's good to just say okay whether it is permanent or temporary if it is temporary one it will pass through second how relevant it is in the bigger scheme of things yeah so you can say difference between atma and atma another way is to differentiate like jal and chetan you know non living and oh, sorry conscience and um, sentient and non sentient you know you can say that so there are three th- three or four things which mean the same thing chetna sentient the permanent the atma they are all synonym words so the more we can discriminate between the two we are establishing more in vivek and that's the first qualification so even if we understand intellectually it's a great step then the process of you know applying that begins in the next begins from the next uh, uh, fourfold qualification so vairagya vairagya is dispassion so vairagya if you try to forcefully do it usually it will come back with vengeance you know the more you try to stop the more your mind will go there so what what we said was use the previous qualification that is using vivek try to have dispassion what is important what is my goal to achieve the permanent hence temporary cannot should not have a strong hold on me so that's how you start developing vairagya it's not like from day one we can say oh i'm dispassionate about everything but if we can slowly start doing it with small things and actually we do it as we grow up we get vairagya for the toys that we used to love so much when we were kids so we we do progress in that direction even naturally right but then we start getting attached to bigger things or different things i should say but you know you can use that we wake we wake to try to see whether i should be is there any point in being attached to this or not right so that is the second of the four fold 
qualification. Then the third one, even though there are six, they're actually quite interlinked and one leads to the another. That's why it's called as the one of the four qualifications. Yeah. And they are Shama, Dhamma, Uparati, Titiksha, Shraddha, and Samadhan. So if I briefly explain these, Shama is quietening of mind. That means, you know, um, the, the mind doesn't run after things. It's slightly in the quieter space, yeah? Then the second is Dhamma, which is controlling the mind or controlling the senses through mind. So which is bringing from external vishay, external objects of desire to come in. So again, you can see that where Vivek led to Vairagya. And if there is Vairagya, I mean, these things should start happening automatically and, and it'll be easier to do. Yeah. And even within the two, you will realize if you have quietened the mind a little bit, it's easier to get it back from objects of desire. So they're linked. It's not that you can be really good at sham and you can't do them. You know, they are, they're interlinked. Then the third one is uparati. Uparati is slightly different from dham, even though it is also control of mind. But in dham, you get it from external object back. And uparati is to turn it inwards. Okay. So you start observing more of internally what's happening. Internally, in my mind, do I have desires, even though I may be able to say, oh, this all is not useful, but internally it's coming up, you know, some of the, some of this thing. And in, in some places, it's even, uh, it's even described as you have a little bit of aversion. I mean, aversion is a strong word, but with a little bit of that aversion, I don't want that. This is going to deter me from this path. I don't want to get into this. You know, so a little bit of aversion sense is involved in uparati. So then your mind doesn't at all go in that direction, neither thinking wise nor externally trying to get it. Yeah. So that's uparati. Then fourth is titiksha. Titiksha is endurance. Now endurance doesn't mean that it's summertime, it's 48 degrees Celsius and you go out and stand in the sun. That's not endurance. I think endurance is where you're not disturbed that much, but you take a medium path. It's not that you starve yourself, but eat okay. You know, what's good for you. So, so taking a middle path. So, so endurance of Sukha Dukh, if you are, if you really achieve something, don't be elated too much. If something really sad happens, a grieving event, don't get flown with it. You know, that's the, that's the idea. So taking a middle path, that is Titiksha. Then comes Shraddha. Shraddha is faith. Nowhere in Vedanta, you will be expected to have blind faith in anything because everything can, can be experienced and proven to yourself. But what it is asking is give it time, have faith, in the scriptures, a lot of people have walked this path. So believe in first the scriptures 
and what your guru is telling. I mean, uh, I had mentioned it earlier as well that, you know, when you, it, even as a kid or as a, in the college, we went to a class. I think we believe that the textbook is right. And, you know, what the teacher is telling is right. You know, so having that initial faith and then see it yourself later on. But you wouldn't even, I mean, if you from the word go, if you start questioning it, oh, I don't see it, I don't, this is all bullshit, this, that, then you wouldn't even try to prove it. Yeah, so that is faith. So having that initial faith, what the texts are saying should be right. So many people have experienced it. Let me give it a shot. Let me give it a fair shot. Yeah, so that is faith. And then the last one is Samadhan. Samadhan is one-pointedness about Brahman. So that is where you start, you know, so Uparati, you got your mind inside looking into yourself. And that Samadhan is actually focusing into Brahman, into oneness. So that is that is the sixth qualification. Yeah. So those are Shat Sampati, but they are all interlinked. You start developing one, the others will follow. And then the fourth qualification is the desire for liberation. It's just Mumukshutvam. And you know, as uh, Rajesh had asked, what's the definition of moksha? I think there are different definitions. Whichever you you like, you can start with that. <laughs> and once and, and and the whole process is then okay to find what it actually means. But um, I think to some it may be because we want to get rid of all the unhappiness and be happy all the time. That is the state which is which is moksha. You want to come out of this cycle of uh, birth and death. That can also be called as moksha. Um, so, so, so different people can relate to different things depending on what your temperament is. But to have that keen desire, because unless you have that, you can get one disoriented or you'll put in half-hearted effort because I think what you strongly desire, you will get it. So having that desire is also a qualification. So these are the fourfold qualifications. And I thought, you know, we should spend a little bit of time. That's my understanding. But, you know, if you, if, if all of you can share, you know, add to it. And everything else. Yeah. Uh, Alpana, thank you very much for summarizing that. You know, um, uh, uh, before we go ahead, uh, before we go ahead, you know, first of all, you know, it is very well put, put together structure and uh, explained in very simple English. Thank you for that. So the couple of words which I picked from what you said, right, and maybe I want to clarify a couple of words. One is you used a word called antakkarana, right? So, uh, you know, antakkarana means, antaha means inside, and karana means an instrument, okay? When we say instrument, something that you'd use to achieve something else. So, uh, so the idea, that it's like, for example, uh, if you take a car, if you take a pen, for example, pen to write, then the pen is a karana or writing, writing which is the goal, right? And if you take a car and go to from point A to point B, going to point B is, is, the, is the objective and car is the instrument for you to achieve that objective. Likewise, when you, if, you, if you notice, she used the word today called antakkarana, which means it is an instrument. What is an instrument? The mind is an instrument, okay? And 
the mind is used as an instrument to achieve a goal, what we have. So the goal is defined as in Mumukshatam, the, 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 the greater the desire, the intensity of the desire that you have in that goal, whatever that goal is, then you will figure out that the rest of the things, everything becomes instruments to achieve the particular goal. Do you see the difference what I'm saying now? Then your body becomes an instrument, your mind becomes an instrument, your intelligence becomes an instrument. Everything is an instrument. Your memory becomes an instrument for a different goal. Otherwise, sometimes we, we, we think that there is a goal and, and we, we go towards that particular goal. For example, um, let's say that, you know, we think that, you know, having a great body is a goal. Then gymming becomes a instrument. Okay. Nothing wrong with it. But if body is not your goal and something else is your goal, which uses the body, then gymming and, you know, having a good body without any diseases is an instrument is a mechanism for us to reach that goal. Do you guys see the difference or am I confusing you? That's fine. All right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so the, that was the first thing I want to mention because the, the most important thing for us is to make a distinction between what is my goal and what's the instrument that I'm using to achieve that particular goal. So uh, I, I had one question when Alpna, you were talking about the third of the six uh, ones. Somehow what this book that we are reading um, is not saying what you said. So yours was much different. And, and I was when you were talking, I was trying to correlate to what is said here. And am I missing something or is it like that, that what you're saying is slightly different from what this book is saying. Actually, if you listen to the, the session, it mentions both. That mostly it is what I mentioned, but um, I think here in the commentary, it is more of Spadharm, right? I think I need to refer back. I've, I've forgotten. Okay. Kishore, you remember? If... No, it, it says that uh, there, is, um, there are multiple meanings for that. Yes, you're right. Uh, Swami, Swamiji does say that. That's for Uparati, I, I think it's Yeah, Uparati, exactly. Uprama, okay. Okay, okay. No, I think, uh, you know, you're right. There are multiple explanations. The way that I have understood is, see, um, take an example. I remember this example very distinctly uh, by Swami Paramatmananda or uh, my Guruji Guru, Guru Parananda. He says, uh, you know, let's say it is hot and you're walking on barefoot, okay? You know, it's easy to walk on barefoot, you know, just put one step at a time and then, you know, do it fast and then run away. But if you have to take conscious steps, hold on to that particular thing and then go, then that ability is different than just jumping and going away to wherever you want to do, right? So he says that uparati is that prolonged ability to continue doing the same thing. For example, shama and dhamma are, you know, mind, mind control and your, you know, external sense organ control. Doing it today, you know, is okay. You know, I can say, okay, today I'm going to be, um, uh, I'm not going to eat sweets. You know, my favorite example of sweets, right? I'm not going to eat sweets. You know, that's sense control today. But can I do it for 365 days of the year? Right? Or can I say, I'm just going to take only one piece of Mysore Park, you know, once a month. The moment I see, can I, you know, can I continue to have that same uh, control 
that's uparati yeah that that that's certainly something which uh, you know i read different things i mean i think aparna what you said was alpna sorry what you said was slightly different from what's in the notes and again slightly different from what uh, swamiji said and and he uh, in my sort of head talked about being introspective is what is and he called it uparamaha which is which might be the same as uparati and and he said uparama is more about being introspective about being about being yourself not somebody else but he he said something interesting he said as you uh, progress in your journey of life you need to in, increase gradually the the mental and spiritual sort of faculties or karmas and reduce what are the more material karmas uh, and that that's a definition which sort of resonated and like you said uh, alpna i mean as we grow we we do that anyway uh, but that definition sort of about being introspective uh, sort of resonated with me and i think what you said was not uh, was also sort of made sense but it seems like there are different interpretations of that same word there are yeah and introspection yeah that's what i said you know take it out from external and then take so take take away from external is dumb and take it inside so that is what i you know it's it translates yes, to yes, introspection yes. yes yeah you use the word in, in take it inside yes absolutely yeah yeah but yeah it does have slightly different meaning in different texts um i think i i did read it but i have forgotten what uh, swami ji has said so I have a question. Yeah. You, uh, you said uh, like karma yoga pre is prerequisite of even even the uh, even the four um, uh, qualities. Um, um, how do you relate that? How do you um, so by doing karma yoga we get uh, we, we are prepared for getting discrimination or do we get discrimination? and then dispassion what, what uh, how do you uh, understand that so the way i understood is once you do nishkam karm and seva at least your antakaran is cleansed so much that you can look into into this direction at all yeah it's if it's you haven't done that then you wouldn't even come on this path you wouldn't even worry about these things so that's why it is a prerequisite right right and i have a uh, can i add you... something to what alpana said Oh yes, go ahead. Yeah, Kishore, uh, just to add to what Alpana said, you know, I I also understand it in exactly that fashion, uh, but maybe the words that I'm using is going to be slightly different. So, uh, see, think about what is the purpose of karma yoga? You know, I'm pretty sure by so far, uh, you know, we've we've gone through the uh, the book by Swami Dayananda. Uh, at least the purpose of karma yoga is to reduce the influence of the desires in us. Okay, that's the whole idea. Reduce the impact of the selfish desires in us that's the whole idea right and once you reduce that impact now what happens is the mind is slowly prepared to do something else beyond you know satisfying your desire you know i have a goal uh, a goal i go chase use all the energies to go chase that particular goal i achieve that but but as you adopt that karma yoga attitude then the number of goals that you would really want to chase starts dropping because what you will chase only what is relevant for you and over a period of time the relevance of goals becomes focused in the direction of your ultimate goal 
Yeah. Okay. And when that happens, then the ability, the, the ability to look at a situation and say, okay, hey, this is this seems real. This does not seem real. It become much more easier and natural for us as an quality as an attribute. That's the Vivekam part of the Vivek part of it, which starts developing for us. I think just to add, I think, Kishore, I understand your question. You do Karmio better once you understand these. That is also true. Yeah. <laughs> but at I least start doing it. it. It is spiral. And that's why I said once you start doing a little bit, I think you, you start with these. And I said you'll be able to do 100% only when you are realized, actually, any of these things. Maybe it's like VP's favorite example, Maggie noodles. You take one, everything else come on, come together. <laughs> no, but I think that's that's how I understood the Karam Yoga Padalka, what you just said. I think uh, the, the more you try and start believing in it and actually start doing it, then all of these start to make more sense. Yeah, so good question, Kishore. Yeah, these are actually interlinked. And the other interesting thing, again, I think Alpana just referred to it in the beginning, is if you really think about it, uh, all these things are, are preparation, right? They are not the actual, this is not actual Vedanta, isn't it? Or do I, uh, uh, the, the Nana Yoga part is the actual Vedanta part, isn't it? But the rest of it is all preparing us. So in, in other words, I think Gita deals with mostly the preparation. For the most part, it is that. Do you also uh, understand it that way? Absolutely. The, the Gyan Yoga will happen in a split second. <laughs> you should, now, you are, now you're changing everything we studied so far. That's not fair. <laughs> no, no, I thought Gita was the summary of Upanishad, the best part of Upanishad. Now you're saying it is just getting you ready for yes, something else. Prepare you. So Vipi, that's again, we have to go back to food example, okay? VP, again, you have to go back to food example. If you are hungry and if you want to feel uh, satisfied, what do you have to do? You have to eat, correct? And how long does it take to eat only from the food to go from the mouth to the stomach? That's all. It doesn't take a long time. But how long does it take to cook? <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about the cooking part and probably even making the food, raw materials before. And all that practice has to be done for us to enjoy that last. To eat. Empty from Canada to Delhi to, to getting the, yeah. the ingredients. <laughs> Great example, yeah. Well done. So, so yeah, uh, Bhagavad Gita is is considered the essence of Upanishads. Yeah, we know that. But is is Karma Yoga part of any of the Upanishads? I assume not. But uh, I'm just questioning. Okay. That's what I thought. I mean, uh, because it has nothing to do with the, the, the final Nana Yoga part, which is what Upanishads are about. So I am assuming Karma Yoga probably is touched upon in the earlier Karma Kanda part. Maybe I'm wondering. Karma Kanda deals with very, you know, calm. Karma Yoga is sort of doing that Karma Kanda with little bit of knowledge. Right attitude, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so somewhere in the is it unique? Is it a is it a new teaching in Bhagavad Gita? Because I'm, I was. I remember Swamiji repeating multiple times that Bhagavad Gita has zero new teachings, right, of its own, but it brings the essence of different teachings into into a path, into a more streamlined roadmap, right? Maybe Gita coined the word Karma Yoga, 
because I don't remember seeing, but Nishkam Karm and Seva is there. In, other, in the Upanishads. In the Upanishads, but not necessarily having that word. At least I have not come across that, yeah. Maybe in the Upanishads, they assumed it. They, they assumed <laughs> that you know it, and here it's laid out. So today, today in the in the morning Vishnu Sastranama class, right, uh, Kishore, to answer uh, your question, some insight that I gained today, I'm, I'm just sharing. So there is a word called as Maha, in one of the names of, Maha, uh, of the Supreme Consciousness is known as Mahaswanaha. Mahaswanaha means, actually, you know, it's a very long meaning, but basically, you know, when he breathes out, he breathes the Vedas. Vedas is basically the rules and regulation, do's and don'ts of what you need to do. That's the broad structure, right? So what it says is that, so I asked that, uh, uh, that person a question today, saying that when, when you say Mahaswanaha, does it mean even the, uh, the, karma, the, uh, the karma part of the yoga, uh, Vedas? Or does it also include, does it include only the Upanishads? He said, no, 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 it includes both because 90% of the people, 90% of the time will be in the doing the karma part. And for what? For gaining that so-called purity of or the quali right qualification of the mind to move into the nana yoga part so he says that you know 90 percent of the people are there and based on their whatever you know uh, punya what they did whenever in their lives they would transition from this thing to this right and in Gita also it says at later chapters it will say you know out of a uh, lakh people maybe uh, out of one out of x lakhs you know, one, one person will know me out of that one person, maybe very, you know, one, one out of one lakh who knows me will truly know me. And, you know, he has some equation there, some ratio. I remember that. Yeah. Um, I know when you, when... Go ahead, Satya, please. So, so I know when you talked about the uh, fourth question, Mumukshitvam, you know, you you said that you know there is a you know a single point having a desire for salvation or moksha, right? So I mean, just a, a small doubt that you know in general you know whether in karma yoga or in the uh, other six qualifications we you know we talked about not having you know desires. I understand that we talked about selfish desires and not uh, uh, this one. But still, you know, I want to achieve moksha. Uh, you know, why is it not considered as a selfish desire? Actually, it qualifies what kind of desires are not good, which will actually entangle you in this samsara. Those are the desires we shouldn't have. But any desire to free you away from this samsara is a desire okay to have. So, so one way where people say that uh, to get rid of desire is actually replacing it with moksha desire because you want your mind to have some desire it's it's hard for mind not to have any desire then just replace it with something which will take you away from sansar it's okay to have those desires and also you know think about it this way you know uh, uh, See, um, even when you are doing any work, okay, what bothers us is, um, you know, the when we pay attention to some of the things surrounding us, let's say you're watching a movie, 
if someone behind us is uh, you know making a noise or whatever that will bother us because we are so engrossed in that particular movie and sometimes it bothers us right so things that bother us are things that will impact in 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 our in our goals uh, and 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 um, if if you have a, a a goal which is so important for you now the other smaller interruptions right you know the diversions what you will take to achieve those things if you are able to tie it in back to the particular goal right for example let's say you're watching a movie and someone is interrupting behind okay uh, if you if you think that man that's an interruption then you know that your mind is disturbed but let's say your longer longer goal is to get that titiksha of your mind right let's say the uh, or not titiksha the uparama of your mind the prolonged peacefulness of your mind then you'll say oh that's just an interruption let it be i'll continue watching that movie after some time that interruption drops actually i don't know why i said that i i thought i i said something disconnected to what alpana you were saying i'm sorry about that there's something else in my mind but i think i said something else sorry and alpana what you're saying is that uh, this is a i mean this is a constant uh, endeavor to continue to qualify if you will i mean it's not something that you would do before you get into the path of uh, nana yoga for example i mean these are the, the, this is a vivek itself will come once you start on yana yoga so i feel little bit of that is is good enough to start but we need to work on it continuously it's a, it's a bit of a loop yeah mm -hmm. so using the the gyan that you get mm -hmm. so um go ahead alpana finish your thought <laughs> saying because you know this what we what rajesh mentioned as the antahakaran it has been conditioned it has been programmed by crores of lives so for it to start working differently it needs time you have to constantly reprogram it and tell it that you know maybe look at it differently <laughs> so yeah no that's what i was saying kishore go ahead no today i i i spent uh, many hours today and last couple of days in fact um uh, reading and thinking about gunas right if you think of it in the form of gunas i know we haven't come there but uh, that also gives a different way of looking at it um when you look at it as tamasic rajasic and sattva guna this process is making us more sattvic right because unless you are your mind body intellect is satvik you cannot absorb the higher level of knowledge so all this is getting you to become more and more satvik predominantly right obviously the other gunas will also be there but predominantly more and more satvik for a um, uh, more consistently satvik and predominantly satvik and um so it it is really good to also understand it from that perspective and that obviously that is in ch chapter 14 for the most part um but that uh, rings a bell in a very strong way for me uh, to look at it from that angle 
because that directly relates to what we do. Uh, just as an example, just a few examples, if you take a look at it, I, uh, I, I, I'm sorry if you know the word guna has not been introduced yet, but they just think of it as nature of, uh, of any of matter, right? So a matter is made up of these three gunas. Tamasic, think of it as um, uh, the type of uh, 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 guna that leads to, you know, th that is characterized by, you know, laziness or, well, it's dark, right, darkness. Um, and uh, if you go into Rajasik, it is more around activity, right? And then Sattvic is more centered on, um, uh, on clarity of thought and so on, right? So whatever we do, what we, uh, you know, it boils down to what we eat, what, how we choose to spend our time, um, uh, you know, the kind of activities we do or the kind of people we talk to, everything can be characterized into these three, right? So uh, oily food, for instance, or too much junk food or comfort food can be characterized as tamasic, taken in, in a little more, con or alcohol can be uh, characterized as tamasic. Certain other things can be um, uh, uh, characterized as sattvic and so on. So everything boils down to um, I'm, I'm able to relate it to what we do on a daily basis and the choices we make uh, along, around, along these three uh, buckets. And as we start putting more and more, uh, spending more and more in the sattvic bucket, we see that we develop these qualities as a result of that. And so it's kind of going in two parallel lines of different ways of thinking about the same thing. Uh, um, one is seems to be on the theoretical side. And then I think in chapter 14, it comes down to the practical side on how it relates to your daily life. So I'm, I'm just bringing it out uh, as something that um, I, I was reading more. Uh, I was trying, trying to tie it down to that and it, it made sense. A gentle plug for all of you guys to look at Chaturmasa. Chaturmasa is a great time of the year to spend on eating sattvic food. In fact, I was just going to say that, uh, that you know, sure, you are so right because uh, offline I've been talking to Rajesh because I'm trying to, I'm going to do Chaturmasa with him this time. And, and the, one of the sheets he shared is actually just telling you the foods which are uh, Satvik versus Tamsik versus uh, Rajasik. So, so you're right. And I think uh, perhaps it comes in Ayurveda or somewhere, but these things are you know, kind of well identified in the scriptures in my mind, right? So, like in Ayurveda, you know, they talk about your type of body, um, yeah, you right. know, so so all these things, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's how I, yeah. I understand it also, that everything is driving you towards quietening your mind so that you are, you know, absolutely thinking about the whole idea of you being a consciousness as opposed to mind and body complex, you know. Think about it this way. You can you can experience this, right? I mean, let's say um, in the morning, very early in the morning. You, let's say you wake up at four thirty in the morning, right? Nature is very sattvic at that time, right? There is a certain level of energy. Uh, even when we go out very early in the morning, let's say we happen to go out, we can experience that energy. We feel wow, it feels different. Um, and Later on in the afternoon, it, it is more rajasic. Even the environment is rajasic. You feel your body is rajasic because you, you are in activity. Everything is geared towards action, activity. And towards the night, as, as uh, night uh, evening wears off, 
you feel more tamasic because you want to get that sleep and and then we get into sleep right so matter is made up of these things and hence made up of these three um, ingredients or the three types of energies if you think about it that way um, and so is our body body is matter after all so hence that is going to be made up of the same and so is mind and intellect hence the same way so now if you look at it uh, so as an example if we eat heavy uh, uh, pretty heavy uh, lunch let's say they're going to they're bound to feel sleepy right um, why because uh, we have eaten more than what we could have and we should have. Um, maybe it has a, a lot of comfort food and whatnot. It's going to make us sloppy. And from that state, even the mind has become that way because we are not thinking clearly at that point, right? The clarity has gone down because we have become sleepy, right? And the, mind, and the body is not moving. We cannot really do a good physical work either after a heavy meal. Everything just slows down, right? It's becoming tamasic, in other words. On the other hand, early in the morning, you wake up and you you uh, do a little bit of yoga or breathing exercise or whatnot, or even just go for a short walk outside at four in the morning. You feel sattvic, right? You feel that extra. It's a type of energy which is different from not just not. It is not the type of energy you get from drinking coffee or and it's 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 a higher form of energy that you get, right? So I'm trying to convert we this. Ask Anupama how how she feels now in the morning. Uh, we should ask Anupama how she feels in the morning now joining this class. Satvik or Rajasik or Tamasik. You have the answer. It does feel, and I agree with Kishore on this. You know, the days that you, you, you do actually start your day off early in the morning, and it's your entire, it sets the tone for the day versus, say, having a lion, as wonderful as it sounds, that, oh, I'm going to wake up late and have a lion and sleep, wake up late. The feeling that you get when you are up and about, it doesn't have to be this whole purposeful, agendaful day if you've woken up to. It's just, you get up early, you're con more contemplative. And I just think the energy that you get at that point kind of sustains you for the rest of the day. And, uh, which is interesting, Anu. I mean, sorry, already finished. Approach your day also changes. Yes. You know, the mindset is different. Right. But it takes time, I must admit. I mean, if you had asked me this question about 20 years ago, I would have thought it's a lot of hogwash. We can experiment the point. for us, in other words, right? Yeah. And it also changes well, during the day, I must say. Right, the yeah. whole proportion of these three gunas, it's a play of these three gunas, in, in other words, and the proportion changes. Uh, it changes in the morning. If you get up early in the morning, you've, you've given it more sattva predominance. Let's say you combine that four o'clock getting up at four with yoga, breathing, and uh, pranayama and meditation. Let's just say, like what Rajesh is doing, for instance. It adds to the amount of sattva. So you've increased the proportion of sattva in you, in your mind, in your body and intellect. Now that sustains you for a longer period of time than somebody who wakes up later, as an example. But then it changes. Even for this person, even for Rajesh, I'm sure it changes during the day, right? Um, and Rajesh kicks in during the afternoon. And that's when action, spurs action, restlessness and other things happen. And then in the night, Again, it changes to more tamasic as we go back to sleep, right? It changes again. So it's constantly changing. How can we make it predominantly sattvic? Predominantly. That's all we can do. And eventually, spiritual, uh, uh, Nana Yoga is about 
um, transcending the three gunas, right? Eventually, you want to transcend the three gunas, and that's what Nana Yoga is about. But unless we are sattvic, we cannot get to the transcendence from there because it has to go from tamasic to rajasic to sattvic and then transcend from there. It, it doesn't work other way. You cannot even jump from tamasic to sattvic. It has to go through rajasic, rajasic guna. So it's very interesting if you think along those lines. There seems to be a very practical approach uh, uh, to everything that we do, the choices we make. As an example, binge watching Netflix, as an example, right? Try doing that in the afternoon. Tell me how it feels at the end of it. Let's say you watch three hours of shows uh, on a Saturday afternoon. You know, nothing much to do and you decide you're going to do that. I've done that. You come out of that feeling Um, it's made you very tamasic. It's made you very, very tamasic. That whole process of constantly getting these things through the sense organs and without having to think or do anything, it's just, uh, it's made you that way, right? So, that's again solving in something uh, useful or, uh, or what we are doing right now. At the end of our, our class here, we feel more sattvic gender, isn't it? So even if, even if it's in the evening time, we feel that because it's it's giving us a, a different type of energy. The sattvic energy kicks kicks in. Uh, I agree with you on this because um, for me, the, when I was reading the text and going back to the whole um, you know fourfold um, path that you're talking about that has been discussed in the book, I feel especially. The about the six um, different parts over there. I feel that pool is still there, but it's about balance and increasing one over the other. So that, that will then take you to the last one. And I, I felt it was a similar kind of analogy in my head I, where it wasn't it wasn't step by step, nor was it discrete and one after the other, but it was more fluid where you kind of just came. When, you know, try a your aim is to increase one component versus another one. Yeah. Ajay, you had something. We can't hear you, Ajay. Sorry, I'm. I think I'm experiencing some some network difficulty. I, no, I, the, 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 can you hear me? No, no, I, I was only kind of making the point that I'm just surprised how my kids get all energetic, like studying at night. And I'm, I'm sure, I, I know we all did it as well. I try very hard to tell them get up early and study, but it doesn't work. Not that, not that it worked for us either. That's, uh, that's very intriguing, therefore. They're just on a different clock, different time zone. Time zone. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I was sure I was just going to say I disagree with your Netflix binging. I have done it at all times of the day, and it's always fun. And and but by the way, by the way, because sorry, on, on more serious note, now that I'm reading these uh, scriptures and listening to Swamiji, I have realized that I don't want to do binging. It's it's very interesting. I have observed that I have stopped binging. In a, in, a, in a slight way, that is Vairagyam, right? If you think about it. Perhaps. 
it, it, but I I have I have binge watched Netflix like it, all hours. <laughs> but, but now VP, uh, it's you're saying you want to pull back. It's not. It's coming naturally to you, right? You're not it's, having it's to, very, you're correct. To do that. that is why that. That's exactly what. Uh, so that develops in different areas like that. This, yes. That is this passion. And that is exactly what I feel for when we get in children or with you know people who just do this whole pulling an all-nighter. I just feel unless you have done that, you won't be able to appreciate the other way of you know enjoying the early mornings or doing any of what we are discussing here. I feel you need to have done the other bit in some sense, not to an extreme, but only then will you appreciate what is being discussed or what is told or said or you know recommended. And I think then it just becomes more meaningful and you can see the difference and hence you make that choice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, 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 taking, a, taking a thread from what you're saying, right? I recall in my uh, childhood, my mom used to say that, you know, you had to learn everything, including how to steal. Okay? And you should forget it. She used to say that. So unless until we know how to do an all-nighter, we will not appreciate the power of waking up in the morning. <laughs> so, so the people who go on this path, you know, I mean, uh, want to avoid uh, some sick food and so on. Uh, you know, uh, say for example, people give up eating onion, uh, garlic and so on, right? So uh, my point is that why is that zero or one? I mean, I mean, I know zero is the ultimate goal so that, you know, we don't want any influence at all. But when they start itself, you know, is it like zero, zero and one? I'm just, you know, like, for example, my wife has left onions and, you know, like for the last three years. Okay. So, uh, but I also, you know, I, I also want to reach there and I want to reduce probably and reach there. So is that, is that okay? Or, you know, it is all, it works only if it is zero or one. It's absolutely fine. And I join think us, the most important thing in my view is. Uh, we'll feel the difference. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Rajesh. No, I actually, I missed what you said. I, I should have listened to what you said. What did you say? I, I said, join. I told Satya, join us for Chatur Masa and you will feel the difference. <laughs> Okay, so uh, you know, uh, 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 Sak Sakuba, you know, I think uh, you know you should uh, first of all, you know, one of the principles is you should never be uh, exhibiting violence. Okay, and if you do that, like what you just now described, that's actually being violent towards yourself. Okay. Okay. So the first principle is no, no. You know, violence does not non-violence doesn't mean if somebody slaps you on one cheek, show the other cheek. It doesn't mean that. You should not show the other cheat. Okay. Non-violence means you know, doing things in such a way that you feel actually happy doing it. Right. You know, me and VP Rajesh, we had a debate uh, sometime back. You know, we had a back and forth on, uh, you know, wine, drinking wine. You know, the, the whole point is, you know, don't drop it just because somebody else is asking you to drop it. Yeah. Drop it out of your own volition. When it says, now I feel that I've got a better thing to chase than drinking this. It is at that time you drop it. Yeah. Okay. okay. In fact, in fact, I, I, was, I was, I was, I was reminded of uh, what uh, the Swamiji was talking about, uh, about uh, you know, Vairagyam, right? See, when you look at anything, 
okay be it an object of uh, food or uh, object of pleasure anything okay and i'll use some gross examples sorry for that uh, so let's say you know uh, you you're walking by the by the street and you see a beautiful woman with a uh, you know dressed up pretty nicely and walking by at that point of time if you see that woman as an object okay object of lust it happens to all of us right if you see that as an object of lust you know and if you realize that in you know, through the vivekam if you realize that is a wrong way of objectifying someone right then what happens is you are exercising a conscious control on your senses to you still will look at that look at that person but you no longer are objectifying that person but it's very easy for me to say this but you know in practice putting it in practice is so hard so hard that's called a sense control that's called mind control shamaha damaha and why does it happen it happens like what alpana was saying right because of vivekam right and now look at the connection so now i look at that same person but my attitude has changed i am no more objectifying that person that means what happens i am no longer having that desire to experience that person as an object when i say experience the person as a even in my mind only i'm talking about okay then the, then that that gives rise to mumukshatva i'm saying oh it's a beautiful person out there rather than object right that changes in the mind Yeah. Very nice. Actually, this uh, introduction to gunas is a very, 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 very important thing because everything that we can perceive is made up of these gunas, and it is only these gunas. So, if you look at our own body, you know, or any of the objects that we experience, they are primarily tamasic. So they don't have. They they have, but there's nothing that can have just one guna. So when we say primarily tamasic, that means the rajoguna and sattva guna are very very little, right? Uh, when you look at your own body, this whole the, the external body or the gross body that we call is primarily tamasic. But then the antahkaran which we were talking about earlier is primarily sattvic. but it has an element of rajasic and tamasic and even that little one if it goes maybe well, i wouldn't use the example of 1920 that year is becoming <laughs> difference between unnis pieces <laughs> you know the whatsapp messages that are being going around um there's a very little difference when the rajasic goes even you know 0.01% above it will start to show its effect on you so antakaran is made primarily of the satvik gun and then the karmendriya then that you see i think it's very relevant for the uh, for the shloka of uh, nirvan shatkam that we'll be doing later as well so so the karmendriya karmendriya are the uh, indriya of action so vak then hands then your legs and then you know the the two organs for um, you know the upasth and guda so those are these are karmendriya with which you do some action they are primarily made from the rajasic part of the elements yeah, yeah? and then the gyanendriya gyanendriya are what things to listen 
to to taste to the five gyanendriya um, uh, to see to smell and to feel the twacha so these are um, these are made up of primarily the sattva gun of each element so we have five elements so from akash comes the shotrendriya because the shabd is the characteristic of akash okay then the next one is vayu vayu is feeling sparsh so that is the skin so that is the second gyanendriya then the third one is tej agni and it is the it is with which you see when there is light you can see so chakshu or the eyes are the third gyanendriya then is the water water is taste so the jivha that is the fourth gyanendriya and then fifth is prithvi prithvi is of smell because wherever you smell you need to have particles of that prithvi to smell it and that is the nose so from the sattva gun of akash comes the chotrendriya from the sattva gun of vayu comes the twacha indriya and when i say these indriya these are not the physical one they are the capabilities sitting behind these organs which can see smell yeah so you get it so so sattva gun of each of these five elements create the five gyanendriya the rajogun from these five elements create the karmendriya and satogun combined from these five elements create the antahakaran when you combine it yeah that's the that's the table nice. i have this table uh, you know i i will post this after this thing is and whatever she has uh, described is presented here and i think it will come as part of tatabodha but i will share this as soon as it is done and the rajogun combined of these creates the prana so so it's very beautiful your whole body is actually just creation through the sattva rajitam gun and then you will realize the importance of any stimuli whether it is through eating seeing feeling thinking all of this how it impacts the antahakaran because they are all just the combination of these three gunas yeah. but you are the one experiencing this all away from all this that's the that's the ultimate goal so <laughs> alpana you know uh, just the akash how did you relate to the ear part you know can you just, just the, when you started off so they each one has its own guna so akash the characteristics of akash is just shabd because shabd can go through akash medium and then vayu is the sparsh when you see and and it also has shabd as the gun it gets the gun from the previous one because hawa sai sai karti hai so you have a word and you can feel it then tej agni has the two previous one and the roop so dhuk dhuk is the is the word and then ushnata which is the warmth is the is the is the sparsh and then it has the roop prakash so it eliminates the you can see through it and then ras has all the three kalkal raska jalka kalkal word hai and then it has shitalta as the as the sparsh and then it has uh, um it has a uh, prakash in it um it has that neela sa rang type and then it has its own of the 
um, taste as the this thing. And then Prithvi has all the other four, and along with it, it has the uh, smell as its own characteristics. So this is, and if you if you just read this part of it, you will realize our whole body, because there are only five things, it is only catering to these five types of stimuli, five types of things we can see. It all comes together. Yeah, exactly. It's actually very, very logical how the body was created for what. <laughs> yeah. and, and also at this point of time, it, it may be relevant to share uh, a model, okay? of uh, how a human being is built. Because in the, in the context of, let's say, Vivek, Vairag, Shamadama, and then Mamukshatam, especially on the Shamadama part, the sixth part of it, right? It's important to share a model. And, uh, you know, uh, let, me, let me kind of, you know, uh, help you understand the way that I have put together this model, right? This is based on Katopanishad. So in Katopanishad, it says that, of course, there are different bodies we talk about and all that, but, you know, the way that I have broken it down, is as follows. There is a physical body, okay, the touch and feel of our body, right, which is primarily nourished by the food that we eat, okay. That's the primary input for that. Then the next is the mental body, okay. The mental body is broken down into uh, multiple parts. One part is the sense organs. Sense organs, although they're not the ears and eyes, the ears and eyes, like what Alpana was explaining, they're part of the physical body, but the ability to see the ability to hear, the ability to feel the touch, okay, that's that sensory body, okay? That's why, you know, uh, Swamiji jokingly says, you know, just by looking at someone's ears, whether they're big or small, you can't say whether that person has got, you know, better ear hearing capability or not. It's impossible to say that, right? So, uh, uh, so that's, that's, the, that's the sense organs. So, so the physical body, on top of it is this sense organs, right? Sense organs, when I say sense organs, Please understand it is the ability. Then the, the on top of it is the emotional mind, the mind that takes in these inputs from the sense organs, okay? And then decides, you know, makes some, uh, 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 you know, deliberates. It doesn't decide, it deliberates. Oh, this, 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 this is nice smell. This, this, is, this does not, uh, you know, it smells vague and things like that, right? And then on top of that emotional mind, is a decision-making mind, okay? This is a nice smell. I think it's lily, okay? I want to go pluck the flower. That's that, that's that decision-making mind, right? And then to aid this emotional mind and, and, the, and the intelligence, the decision-making mind, is the memory, the database of your past experiences, not necessarily in this lifetime, in several lifetimes, which science also call it as the limbic brain, right? They say that, you know, all your stuff is here, you know, the way that we react to situations is based on our limbic brain and not based on our, you know, the, the prefrontal pre, pre, pre cortex. That's what they say, right? So, but that's, that's the uh, memory part of it, right? And then, so that's, that constitutes the mind, right? And, and then it's the, the, the final one, which is part of the mind itself, which I would probably skip discussing, but I was just mentioning it here, called the ego. Okay, that's let's let's discuss let's discuss it a little later because ego is a pretty complex thing, and sometimes it can confuse the hell out of everybody. So, uh, uh, but but think about it this way: you know, if you have the structure, so you got to take care of your physical body through food and everything. Then you got to take care of your emotional body through 
controlling what you can take in through the five sense organs. And the classic example we discussed a couple of minutes back is Netflix. Okay, binge watching stuff which are irrelevant, which are not aligned to your goal. You're taking in so much of information, you're feeding in so much of information to your mind, which is much, much more larger and expansive than the physical body. So that's where the ability to exercise that intelligence and say, I have to stop this, will come in. But then I'm again tying back to the Shamadamali. Intelligently, I know that, okay, I have to stop binge watching, but can I stop it? Intelligently, I know that, you know, I should not eat too much sweets, but can I really stop it? Then Shamadamadi, the, how do you control the sense organs becomes important. And that's where that, you know, the interplay, you know, picking it up like noodles and eating it and controlling one at a time, uh, consciously over a period, a longer period of time will get us that particular ability, the sadhana chatushtaya sampati. That's why you see Shama, Dhamma, Uparama, Titiksha, all of them are together because it's like a bunch of noodles. You pick one, you say, I'm going to pick this. Whether you like it or not, others will come together. Yeah, yeah, no, very nice. Yeah. So it, it is that if we think of it at each level, uh, or, or even uh, in the in terms of similar to what you're saying, the panchakosha levels too, right? Uh, and say, what is the sattvic thing to do for the body? What is the sattvic thing to do for my for the prana, for instance, sense organs, for the mind, for the emotional mind, and for the intellect. If you look at it from along these different layers and then say what is more sattvic then then there is a choice to be made right whether in terms of how much how i'm going to spend my time whether in terms of what am i going to do what am i going to say um what am i going to eat all of these things come together uh, uh, and that's how it relates to the practices that we do on a daily basis and when i say practice as in uh, what we do in general on a daily basis. So it, it influences that. So knowing this and being aware of it somewhere in the back of the mind helps us be more conscious of what we do, right? And that in turn helps us become, it's a, it's a vicious circle. That in turn becomes more, makes us a little more sattvic. That in turn makes us make better choices, which in turn makes us more sattvic, right? So it's a vicious circle that leads you, us. You mean virtu virtuous, virtuous cycle, right? You meant virtual cycle. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, I just wanted to say that the way you interconnected the Gyanendriya with Kalmendriya, and I, I thought that was very good because I hadn't uh, reached that part. So that's very, very illuminating. And, and your choices of Shud Hindi words is obviously wonderful to my ears. Sorry, actually, I just read everything in Hindi. So those are the words that I just relate to more. So I, no, I love it uh, to translate them into English. <laughs> no, no, no I, I think most of us understand Hindi. So it's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. So you actually read the, read the Hindi scripts, is it, uh, Alpana? Yeah. Wow, that is impressive. It took some time to get back to Hindi, but now it is Hindi and Sanskrit, yeah. Actually, to be very honest with you, reading in English is a, a lot more complicated to understand these things. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when I read it in English I, and I, I, I see the, the Hindi or the Sanskrit word, 
I certainly can relate to it a lot better, but obviously I don't, I don't, I don't have a flow in reading Hindi, so it takes longer, I guess. Came back, yeah, it took some time, but it did come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you do you know do you know Sanskrit or are you you learned Sanskrit as well? A little bit, <laughs> so I can make sense here and there. <laughs> yeah. And repeated you know, uh, you know, I... thing, yeah, you get it. Sorry. She, she, yeah. she was number two in no, the board to... exams. Board exams. <laughs> I know. <laughs> in Sanskrit. You know, just to tell you uh, the uh, the importance of the some of these Sanskrit words and to interpret them in in that vernacular, right? For example, uh, the word that we use for body in English it is just body, right? But in Sanskrit there are two words that are used. One is called sharira. One is called deha. Okay. And only last week I learned the difference between these two things. And the reason why it is called deha and when it is called deha is different from the reason why it is why it is used as, when it is used as the word sharira. And I'll explain my understanding. Maybe Alpana, you can correct uh, uh, me. So I believe deha is a word that is used till about, about uh, when the body is growing to about, let's say human body is going to about 18 to 20 to 25 years, okay? And sharira is used after that because sharira means something which will keep on diminishing, okay? So if you call, if you call us as Deha now, which I think is incorrect, okay, we have to be called as Shariras now. <laughs> ah, okay, interesting. Mm. At, at the word Sharira, Sharira comes from that uh, root, which says that it will actually diminish. That's the root. Some of these texts are just so deep. You know, when you say a word, how do you get the meaning? Is it the Shakti in the word or is it, you know, there's a whole text written on it. So I was quite amazed by that text. There are so many doctrines explaining how from a word you get to a meaning. It is so elaborate. It's just unbelievable that our Rishis did not leave any stone unturned. There's a, there's a reasoning behind everything you can think of. It's just it's just very, very diverse. Yeah, and some of the Sanskrit yeah. shlokas, I mean, they are so precise and concise. Yeah. And they are yet so deep in their meaning. Correct. I mean, you know, even even uh, Nirvana Shatakam, I mean, if you, I mean, it's a very short text, if you will. But each word has a very particular and deep sort of yeah. context. Yeah, and another word I want to leave it with you, because since we talked about uh, the uh, the space, air, and all that, the what's the word for air in in Hindi that we know? Vayu, hava, vayu, right? Hava, yeah. hava, hava. But in Sanskrit, it is vayu. Okay, and today I learned this. Vayu comes from a root va, which has connotations to movement. Okay, and you has connotations to smell. Now you try to connect what Alpana was saying sometime back. Mm. Such a powerful thing. Okay. The word itself will have the meaning inside it, saying that it moves and it carries the smell. That's the property of why you. Mm. You say air, I don't know what it means in English in that context. You got to remember it. No, fair point. Yeah, no, absolutely. Very the, scientific. The other part of uh, you know, Sanskrit, which is amazing, is that most of these mantras have certain vibrations. And I think Altna can talk more about that more than I can. But 
you actually feel that vibration once you start chanting these and i think that's why all these mantras are meant to be chanted as you know because they do create that um, sounds and vibrations in the entire the uh, universe in fact these uh, every you know every word it has four levels right you can either speak it aloud or you can just do the lip movement or it can be in your mind and the fourth level is where it starts appearing you know it's even beyond the mind so so that has the most impact we think the louder we speak the louder our you know influence or where, where it can reach but the fourth level is actually the most powerful it can meaning jisko bolte hai na srishti ko hila sakta hai sorry sorry help 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 me understand that alpna what do you mean by the fourth level fourth level is actually beyond even the mind i mean when you start say you start chanting a mantra maybe you will be able to relate so one is saying it out aloud so that is vaikri then you start just by your lip movement because you'll realize sometimes if you don't do the lip movement you lose track of the mantra and you start thinking something else so that is the second level where you do the lip movement then the third is you just do it in your mind mm-hmm. and the fourth, fourth is one. where it starts appearing itself you are not thinking about it but it's just going on somewhere in the back yeah. mm-hmm. somewhere in the back but not in the mind actually it's it's even beyond the mind that is the most powerful the more subtler it is and that's why it is related to akash and akash can go through you know all the other elements so it is that's why we say shabd is actually the most powerful thing you know um you can change you can you can bring about a lot of changes just by thoughts that's why they say thoughts are very powerful and even beyond thoughts is that 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 fourth category if you can reach it can move the creations yeah, you mm, nice. the elements they are also uh, are, uh, in the order of subtlety right if you look at yeah. uh, fire uh, uh, air and uh, space uh, it, it's in the order of subtlety and mm. as you pointed out the most subtle one is there in all five the second subtle one is there in the rest of the four and so on so it's it's kind of designed that way uh, the way it's characterized um they've said so from akash came vayu from vayu came so 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 the uh, the previous one is the karan and karan is more uh, pervasive it's available in in uh, um, higher quantity also because not all of it is converted into the second one so when you actually do one way to reach enlightenment is you keep doing lay of karya into karan so you merge this body with the subtle body subtle body into causal body and then causal body you merge it into the elements and the elements you merge prithvi into jal into agni into vayu into akash and then akash into that pure consciousness that's the almost like the russian dolls uh, the what do you call that the yeah 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 so it is the so prasav is how the creation was created aur jab pralay hota hai prati prasav this is how it goes back to back. the to the yeah. origin very cool so with that we are at 750 maybe that's a nice segue to to practice nirvana shatakam i'm going to flash up that particular thing again so uh, we will practice the same thing like what we did last time alpana if you don't mind 
we will do the first line uh, repeated once, and then we go to the second line. We will, uh, uh, first line, you repeat the whole one uh, half line fully. We will all repeat together. Then the next half line fully, we'll repeat together. And when we go to the second line, we will break it into four pieces, okay? First piece you say once, we say it twice, so we, we learn that. Then the next piece, twice. So all of us, we will go on mute so that, you know, we can only, uh, you know, hear ourselves and not, not be disturbed by the others. Okay, let me just open up Nirvana uh, Shatakam. Where did I put that? I hope this is the one. What you guys, what, what can you guys see? You're seeing something wrong. You did not see what I wanted you to see, right? Okay. Just give me 30 seconds. Let me figure out the right one. Share the browser. Can you see it now? Yeah. Okay. So let's mute all of us and We do the first one again? Yes, the first one, but uh, let's do one half line each, right? So you, we do this once, we, we'll all repeat twice. Then you do this, we'll repeat twice. And then when we go here, we will break it down into, break it into four parts. Okay? Got it. Can you zoom it a little bit, uh, Rajesh? Yes, I will, I will. Is that okay? No Buddhyahankar Chittani Naham Nacha Shrotra Jehave Nacha Gran Netre Nacha Vyoma Bhumir Natejo Navayoga Chidananda Rupaha Shivoham Shivoham Chidananda Rupaha Shivoham Shivoham
प्राण
that was beautiful thank you alpana just a question for you uh, alpana i i mean there is there are three sort of um, things used there's a chur there's a va and there is a ve do you know sort of just the literal meaning of all three can you share that chur is or and and va is athwa other than that neither nor Vai is the plural of va because it uses five vayus, so it is. So some places, but even sapt is plural, right? But sapt the dhatu they have taken as like as a, as a singular, yeah. Forest. Mm. Singular, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Okay. Become singular. And you said cha is uh, and and okay. No, thank you. That's helpful. I think by the end of this year, you know, I would love it if all of us would have bi-hearted this and say it every day in our uh, prayers. And I listened to that Pratahasmaran explanation of Swami Sarvapriyananji. It's beautiful. It, it is very beautiful. And I wrote a blog post about it today. You, you know, when you guys have time, just uh, read it up. It was such an amazing experience for me today. Will do. Will do. Awesome. Yeah, and and uh, you know, um, I I would recommend you, uh, you just put on that one hour of audio what I shared today, and just listen to it early in the morning. You know, uh, maybe tomorrow morning, uh, Anupama, at the time that you wake up, if uh, if all of you wake up and you just listen to it, I can tell you it's such brilliant. And I think we already know uh, quote unquote uh, the words, and we can make out the sentence what he's saying. Will not be lost. That much I can guarantee you. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. One hour is well worth spent. Okay. All right. We are at the dot eight o'clock today. So, question: What do we do for the next two weeks? Forward. Are you sure? Not Kia Jai. <laughs> Thank you. Forward uh, in Tato, right? Or yeah, yeah, that's the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just looking at the pages. So we have read till uh, well, uh, page twelve, correct? Hold on a second. Let me share my screen so it's easier. Should we do uh, the three bodies? I think that's what is coming next, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Three, yeah. Mm -hmm. Settle and causal body. Are you able to see the screen now? Yeah. Okay. So not we self, should yeah. do uh, the not self part. Okay. And uh, I don't think it's going to be very difficult for us to go through this because in the Gita it talks about that. Uh, the chapter two when we read about the you know all the things it talks about it. So we'll read the not self part, the gross body, the subtle body. I'm just trying to see a logical point. Uh, so one of us, uh, we can determine the organs of action, inner instruments, and the causal body. I think till here we should do, till here. Yeah. Okay. So 
that is page 17. So page 12 to page 17 is for the next two weeks. And I can tell you, uh, my experience is that, you know, it may seem pretty easy to understand uh, at the face of it, but uh, let's, if we deliberate on it, I think we will, we will get much many more insights. So uh, we would need time to, to go through this in my view. And also we'll also have to start seeing it as to how we can apply in our own practice, every practice, right? Otherwise, there's no point just having theoretical knowledge. You know, I quite like there was a statement or rather a couple of uh, sentences in the introduction, which talked about how you actually approach Vedanta, where you don't look at your life and make connections to the Vedanta, but actually you read the Vedanta and see how your life is being led as per the principles that are set down. And I thought that was quite significant because it's so natural for us to say, oh, I'm already following it. And then you make these random connections to it, but not necessarily in a thought through process. And I think if you do it the other way around, your view is very different. Absolutely. All right, with that, have a wonderful Sunday, or is it uh, Saturday? Yeah, Sunday, Sunday for all of you, and we will finish the rest of the Saturday here. And I'll see you next Saturday. Hariyom. Thank you. Hariyom. Hariyom. Hariyom.